Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. How dare Draco Malfoy tell Martin Bundle to go away? Lewis has stitched me right up here. He's supposed to be my mate. Midway through the flight, they suddenly decide that they want to put me in the overhead locker in the plane. Everybody in the Bears team found all these mouldy pairs in the bottom of their bag. Put his hand on me and I look back and says, we're going to get this picture, champ. Oh my goodness. That has got to be the worst attempt of a drop goal in televised history. Hello, my name is Simon Lazeby and I'm a presenter on Sky Sports. You may have seen me present sports such as the F1, international rugby, England cricket and golf from around the world. However, I wanted to come and give you some information about the TWS Sports Podcast. The TWS Sports Podcast is the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. Each week, they speak to a different sports person and delve deep into their lives talking about the highs and the lows of their career and what makes them a top athlete in their sport. The TWS Sports Podcast were voted the best sports podcast in the world that promotes social equality. They picked up that honour at the 2021 Sports Podcast Awards. So if you're a sports fan and want to hear these great stories with questions from some amazing young people who promote autism, then the TWS Sports Podcast is the podcast for you. Techno World School is a school for autistic children and young adults and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sports of men, men and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a cricketer. She is captain of Warwickshire and plays from Trent Rockets. Welcome to the podcast, Marie Kelly. Hello, thanks for having me. Hello, glad to have you here. We like to start our podcast with some quick-fire questions before we start talking about your career. Are you ready? Okay, yeah, hit me. Okay. Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Uh, that's such a good question. Maybe Danny Wyatt or Tammy Beaumont. Okay. Uh, if you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um... Can it be an animal or can it be because it has to be a person? I mean, for one off, maybe, <laughs> but mostly it's usually people. <laughs> um, I would say, do you know what? I'd love to trade lives with Jeremy Clarkson because I've been watching Clarkson's farm and I'd love a day on the life in the farm, I'd say. Okay. Uh, last question. If you were the ruler of your own country, what would be the first law you'd put into place? Oh, these are such good questions. Um, first rule, I would make it a four-day working week, so we got Fridays off as well. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to take you back to the start. What are your memories as a child? And didn't Warwickshire cricket legend Trevor Penny spot your interest in cricket? He did, yeah. So I used to play tennis when I was younger. Um, so I've got a twin sister, so we used to play tennis together when we were like, four or five, six years old. Um, and then we played a tennis match against Trevor Penny's daughter. And my dad kind of knew who Trevor was. I went up and chatted to him and kind of said, what are you doing around here, around kind of the Solihull area? And he said, I'm actually at a cricket club called Earlswood Cricket Club um, in Solihull, so Cheswick Green. So he said, well, if the girls are good at tennis, I'm sure they'll love cricket. Why don't you come down to the club? And we went down and just absolutely loved it. They had a tuck shop, so you got... Um, I think it's about 50p for like a massive bag of sweets. Uh, they did like fielding competitions where you could win the money to go get some sweets. 
we'd go for fish and chips after cricket. So we just <laughs> we just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, we got to play on an outfield with loads of friends. Um, yeah, got some sweets and fish and chips at the end of the day. So we went back every week and that's how it started. All right. 17 <laughs> years ago, as a 10-year-old girl, how did you feel going into a sport when girls' cricket was still quite small and there were not so many girls playing? Um, yeah, so it was kind of daunting, obviously, if you, if you turn up and there's not many of the girls, but we were, used, we were used to playing tennis with a few of the boys at the club. Um, so we were kind of used to being around boys in sport anyway. And then I think the fact that I had a twin sister to kind of go with massively helped. I think if I was a young girl on my own, that probably would have been even scarier to go, but because I had my twin with me, um, kind of yeah, probably just added to the the bravery. And we just had such a good time there, so that was never really too much of an issue. We immediately kind of fit in with the club. Every, all the lads were really nice, um, and if anything, it probably actually helped us that there weren't many girls playing because trying to get into like the county system, we got in straight away just because there wasn't that many girls that played. So we immediately got access to kind of better coaching, better facilities, um, which probably benefited us in the long run, really. Um, Speaking of, what's your take on that um, in the past few years that there's now been like increase of like support with women in sports? Yeah, it's been amazing. We just had the women's IPL draft where they went for crazy amounts of money. Um, it's just been absolutely fantastic that we can now kind of do this as a as a profession. We don't have to juggle kind of two careers at the same time. We can really just kind of put everything into it. And we've seen the standard of women's cricket has just absolutely gone through the roof these last few years after having the investment um, and the money put in. And it's really kind of paid off. And then we've had We've definitely seen the success on the pitch, but also off it. We've had so many people come and watch and enjoy the game. So it's just all around being a huge success, really. Right. How did you find the progression through the age groups as a young teenager? And when did you realise you might be able to make it as a county cricketer? Um, I thought the progression through the county was quite was quite good. It was a, it was a nice pathway. Uh, it was quite a clear pathway how to get into the Warwickshire women's first team. You had sort of under 11s, 13s, 15s, 17s, and then into the women's team. But I think back then, I kind of got into the women's team when I was about 15 years old. And that was often the way that the um, the next the next leap up to senior cricket was really, really quick. Whereas now, I think there's more girls playing the game. So they can play for a lot later. You've, almost, you've got a lot more under-19s teams. You've got second teams. And that kind of prepares you a little bit better to go into women's cricket. Whereas for girls my age there was quite a big jump from under 15 junior cricket straight into kind of first team county cricket and it was a bit of a shock to kind of that jump up in standard where you're playing against England players and stuff who are professional and um, yeah it was quite a big big jump which hopefully the girls nowadays don't have to kind of go through they've got a nice a nicer progression with a little bit more support okay you made your debut for Warwickshire at the age of 15. What was that like and what are your memories of it? Um, I absolutely loved it. It was very much um, a very supportive atmosphere. Um, I knew I knew quite a few of the kind of women and girls anyway from kind of club cricket and through the pathway. And the coach was really, really supportive and they just kind of took me the ball um, and gave me an opportunity and I just absolutely loved it. Um, I remember it really, really well. And yeah, just... Loved the day, immediately felt part of the team. I succeeded on the day, took, uh, took a couple of wickets and scored a few runs. So, um, yeah, they were happy with me and I just loved it.
Okay. What has been your biggest challenge since being captain? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the biggest challenge as a captain is kind of because they're like some of your best mates as well. Is trying to give everyone kind of fair opportunity, but also trying to um, be kind of tough and winning the game. So if somebody's kind of not bowling that well, you don't want to take them off. You want you want to give them every opportunity to kind of do well. But especially at Warwickshire, we've got so many people that that are really good. We've got loads of lo- loads of really good bowlers. Um, so it's hard trying to give everybody kind of a fair chance, um, especially when they are some of your closest friends. It's yeah, it's kind of difficult, kind of juggling that balance. Um, but that they're the kind of decisions I have to make as captain sometimes. I see. Um, what type of captain are you? Uh, well, based on that, I'd say I hopefully try to be kind of a fair captain. Um, I try and give people chances that they deserve, but also um, if things aren't going well, I try and be upfront and honest and say that this isn't quite working. I've got to give somebody else a try. I think I also try and lead by example I don't think it's fair to ask somebody to try and do something if you're not kind of willing to do it yourself um so yeah they're pro- I'd like to think I'm quite a fair um fair captain and yeah lead by example all right what is the biggest difference in the men's and women's games oh that's a good question um I'd say well there's different kind of there's different things about it so the women's ball is a bit smaller and lighter um obviously the boundaries were trying a bit shorter um to kind of accommodate for that and then in the men's game they're allowed there's kind of different plays so they're allowed to have five fielders out of the ring whereas women are only allowed four that kind of brings in a different dimension to kind of the areas that you're looking to to hit the ball and stuff um I'd say previously there's been that difference in power hitting so you'd say normally kind of in women's cricket it's been a little bit more kind of more twos probably and kind of people using the skill a bit more. But I'd say recently we've seen massive amounts of power hit and we've seen girls not just clearing the women's boundaries, but also the men's. So I feel like that gap's getting a little bit shorter and we're seeing the same way that the men are playing. I think we're seeing that in women's cricket now as well, that kind of buzz ball approach and kind of the power hitting and just trying to, um, yeah, make cricket as exciting as possible for people. So, yeah, I'd say the differences probably aren't as... Great as they used to be now, I'd say. In 2019, you led your team to victory in the 2020 competition. What are your memories of that competition? Oh, I absolutely loved that season. Um, we just were really confident. Like everybody had really clear roles. We had a few results that went our way, which helped. But in previous years, we'd had a lot of results that didn't go our way. So we felt like our look was kind of starting to starting to shift. So on that last day, we were kind of playing whilst getting messages off the side that another team had been bowled out for this and that. So there was kind of a lot going on, especially as me as captain, trying to work out what we what we were needing to do, plus what other teams had had done. And um, yeah, I remember just a lot being a lot going on. But I remember being down at Long Roth and somebody telling me that the other results had gone our way and we were in we were kind of in the right spot. So I kind of knew that it was coming and then when we took that final wicket it was just like oh my god we've done it I've played for years trying to win this league um we've come from like the third division through the second through the first and we've constantly kind of survived being in division one and then now we've actually won it so I felt like I ticked off something on my list to do um, and to be captain of it as well was pretty awesome 
That's nice. Um, that season you were third top run scorer, the competition and top run scorer in Division One. What was that your greatest season, and why was it so good for you? Um, yeah, it's probably up there with one of the the better seasons. Um, I really enjoyed my approach last season in particular, but I feel like the 2020 season that was probably the start of kind of the way I wanted to play my cricket, being a bit more aggressive, a bit more attacking. Um, and sort of seeing that success kind of, yeah, just made me realise that that's kind of the way I want to go about it and the way I want to, um, yeah, play my cricket. So it kind of reassured me that that was a, a good approach to have. And then, yeah, the success from that kind of, yeah, just gave me that little bit more confidence that it was it was working, I was doing the right thing. Okay. You must have plenty of practical jokers in the dressing room. Who are the biggest jokers and what is the best prank you have seen? Um it's not from it's not necessarily from county but it's from club but it's a girl that I play a lot of cricket with and that she plays for Worcester and I play for Warwickshire so there's a little bit of rivalry going on um so what she did was she put all of the she's got a load of old pairs and put them all in our cricket bags without us knowing so a couple of weeks later everybody in the Bears team found all these mouldy pairs in the bottom of their bag from this girl that apparently for for Worcester. Um, so yeah, she's a bit of a joker. Um, and it wasn't nice cleaning up the kind of mouldy pair from the bottom of my bag. I but, can yeah. imagine. <laughs> we did them anyway, though, so it's all right. What has been the single biggest improvement in the women's game over the last 10 years? I definitely say the power hitting and the focus on that. So um, kind of the athleticism and the, um, yeah, I feel like, Historically, like I said before, there's been this kind of assumption that women's cricket isn't as aggressive or as kind of powerful as the men's game, that we can't hit the ball as far and all that. And I genuinely think that's that's just kind of rubbish now. We're like we're getting there hundred percent. We're seeing way more sixes, way more boundaries. Um in fact, boundary percentage is way more um effective in women's cricket than the men's at the minute in terms of winning games. So um I feel like that's been the the biggest shift massively and that probably comes from the injection of money into the game where people can commit to training and practicing um getting a bit stronger in the gym and generally working on our whole kind of athleticism um what what impact has the hundred had on the women's game oh i think it's absolutely massive um just seeing the the crowd to say in terms that's probably been the biggest impact in that it's it's shown people what women's cricket's about um, and people just you just look into the crowd whilst you're playing and people are just having such a good time um, you've seen all the little boys and girls that kind of stay for autographs after but like, we spend 45 minutes to an hour after every game signing autographs and there's just so many kids um, and families and that's I feel like that's been the main impact that you think how many of those little boys and girls are going to go and play cricket now um, I think that's something that we're all really proud of as players when we look around and see that we're inspiring a lot of younger kids to go and play the game. Yeah, that's that's probably been the biggest impact, I'd say. Um, Marie, just while we're on about the 100, I've just seen this morning that they've um, released a list for some of the players for this season. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit how it works. So obviously there's, I presume it's hopefully Trent Rockets that you're going to play for again. Um, yeah, hopefully, yeah. So obviously is it Nat Skyver, Brunt, Catherine Skyver, Brunt, Alana King and Bryony Smith have been named in the in the squad. How, tell us a bit, a bit how it works and 
how you find out what's yeah, so, and stuff like that. So they've done it slightly differently this year. Last year was all kind of um, you would just use your agents or speak to the director of cricket and kind of have those conversations behind closed doors about where you wanted to go. This year they've added a draft element to it. So there's it's now split into kind of three sections. So the top bracket, each team is allowed to retain, so keep four or five players in their squad. There's obviously rules about how many overseas you can keep, how many England players you can keep and all that. So you've got kind of four or five players in that first bracket that teams are allowed to keep. Then you've got the middle bracket where t- um, players can enter into a draft. So that bit you'll see a lot of kind of movement around. So just like we had the women's IPL draft, um, there'll be kind of draft picks from that. And then the bottom section will be all those that didn't enter the draft. Um that they will then go into an open market. So that's where you can either stay with your team or you can have a conversation directly to a team and say, do you need this or that? I can come and do that and you can move around. So it's a little bit more complicated this year. Um, I've decided to not go in the draft, so I'm going to hopefully stay with Rockets. Um, And you'll see a few people do that where they don't enter the draft so that they can hopefully stay with their, their teams. Um, or you'll see people into the draft trying to get a little bit more money um, and be happy to go wherever. Yeah, a little bit more complicated. So when you, <laughs> you know when you find Hopefully out, that's explained it a little bit more. Do you know when you find out when to find or when you find out where you are? I think um, the draft is. I think they've just changed it. I think it's mid March, um, so it won't be until until then really that we'll see who's going where it'd be quite a late quite a late call <clears throat> um what is your biggest weakness as a captain and what are you doing to try and improve it oh that's a good question um i'd say hmm, one one thing i struggle with um it's not a massive thing but it's no one to put myself onto bowl because i always want to give some like give others an opportunity I don't want to be, kind of be selfish so I always have to kind of ask somebody do you think I'd be the right person now or or them um I don't want to be the one that just gives myself the ball and if it's not the right decision and stuff so I think that's that's a hard one I think like I said to you before about trying to give everyone an opportunity I don't I also don't want to get too caught up in in kind of caring how everyone else feels sometimes as a captain you just have to get things done and if you spend too much energy thinking about how every single person is going to react to that decision, that can kind of take you away from the focus of that decision. So that's it's a very, very fine balance of trying to keep everybody happy, but also not spending too much energy on that and also focusing on on the cricket. So that's probably a, a weakness of mine in that you can overthink a bit sometimes about how everyone's, how everyone's doing and how everyone's reacting. It's trying to just keep it keep it nice and simple um, and just doing what's right for the team. If you haven't already, then be sure to download our new app, Gold, the home of challenges. Post and take on challenges, call out your friends and top leaderboards. Challenges can be about absolutely anything, so be as creative as you like. Be sure to follow our social media too for awesome giveaways. That's Gold. What has been your best match you have ever played in and why? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, can I give a few? Because there's a personal one and there's a team one. So personal was I got a double hundred when I was in the 15s for Warwickshire. Um, so I got 201 
not out. And that was one of my favourite days ever. So literally everything I hit just went for four or six and I just loved it. I felt amazing. Um, but then from a team point of view, it was actually in Australia. Um, <clears throat> we won the kind of the Premier League for women's cricket out there. And it was kind of, this was before, yeah, this was before I'd won the T20 with Warwickshire. So I hadn't really ever been part of a team that, that had won a big event. Um, and it was just such a good match. It was kind of, it was one minute in our favour, one minute in theirs. There was lots of twists and turns. Um, it was really, really neck and neck the whole time, right to the end. Um, and, and we won it. And it was just, it was just one of the best matches I've ever been involved in. Just absolutely loved it. Some of the best matches are the closest matches. Um, sometimes it's not, it's actually not that fun when you, when you absolutely smash a team. Sometimes it's, it's way more fun when they are really close. The emotions are really, really high and you just get over the line. So yeah, that was probably my my highlight. Um, how no oh that one. All right. How do you respond best to coaches? Do you like an arm around you when you are struggling, or for coach to give you some tough love? Um, I think it's a bit of both, and it kind of depends which coach. I think every player needs kind of confidence from their coach. So I think regardless of whether they're giving you tough love or they're putting an arm around your shoulder, it's about whether they they have the confidence in you to go and do well. And if you if you can tell that they don't have the confidence in you, no matter what they do, you're not going to kind of be responsive to that. Whereas if you know that you, they have your best interests at heart, then I think that's, and they've got the confidence and belief in you to go out and do well, regardless of how they kind of deliver that to you. Um, that's probably the main thing for me but I'd say generally probably an arm around the shoulder especially if it's kind of really close to the game and like the emotions are high I think you can kind of do kind of the tough love stuff more over the winter and push push your players to kind of train hard and be better and stuff over winter and then when the emotions are high if someone's very tough love on you whilst you're already emotional then that can that can go downhill pretty quickly um so yeah probably the arm around the shoulder all right. Ha um, you have a very unique skill where you are able to bowl with both arms. Can you explain to our listeners how you found out you could do that and what are the benefits of being able to do that? Yeah, so um, my boyfriend is one of my cricket coaches. So like, he's a really good cricket coach. So we've, we've trained a lot together. Um, and about, what was it, three years ago, we were chatting about my bowling. Um and we spoke about, you know, how, do you know Liam Livingstone, how he bowls? He bowls off spin and leg spin with the same arm. So I was thinking, I want to be able to do something kind of like that where you've got a variation. So I tried bowling and leg spin and I just couldn't do it. Save, save my life. It was really, really difficult. And I was kind of learning to bowl off spin at the same time. So trying to get your wrist position right for off spin was difficult then to go the other way with leg spin. So we were just kind of joking around um, and bowled just tried it with my left arm and he went that's not actually that bad you know um and I was like okay so we kind of joked around a bit and then we kind of said look if this was going to make it if I was going to actually do this I'd need to put a lot of hours in like a lot of time probably haven't got the time to do it and then lockdown hit so I had literally two years of lockdown with nothing else to do so I was like well I've been saying for ages that I'd be able to do my left arm if I had loads of time to practice it and then all of a sudden 
we were literally locked in our homes and I had like hours in the day to practice something so um yeah just started off really really small with like practicing in my garden little weights and stuff and then yeah it just went from there and it actually wasn't as definitely wasn't as bad as the leg spin um came out a lot better than I thought so we worked on it from there and it is where it is now so yeah that's pretty much how we got to do it do you remember the first time you used it in a in a proper game and how were you feeling when you that first ball you tried left arm yeah I was I was so nervous honestly um I felt really really confident with it over the winter and even in like training nets and stuff like I was really really um yeah I was com- I was confident with it sometimes I was more confident with it than my right arm surprisingly I don't know <laughs> don't know why um and then we to be fair the blaze were really good it was left for lightning at the time they were really good they were really supportive of it and we had a lot of warm-up matches they were like look just go and do it um and I just remember feeling really really nervous and that actually affected it quite a bit in that when you're nervous you go tense like you you don't breathe as, as much um things can feel quite like mechanical robotic so I bowled it I bowled it but I bowled it terribly um I kind of got away with it didn't go for many runs but I wasn't I wasn't happy with it um but then they were really good and said look if you've bowled that and that was your worst and you got away with it then that's a good starting point we know how it feels now and we just I just bowled it as much as I could we played a lot of kind of second team games a lot of friendly games every opportunity I got in those I bowled it so that when it came to the competition um I was a lot more confident with it so yeah that's kind of the evolution of it. I've seen um, there's an Australian under-19 bowler who mm-hmm. bowls um, both arm spin and, and does it really well. Yeah, it's um it's a great skill that not many cricketers have, and I, I suppose especially in the 2020 and the hundred where spin is so key, especially spinning the, the ball away from the bat. Um, yeah, it'll be um a huge benefit, I imagine, in the short formats. Definitely, that was kind of my kind of thought process around it, in that. There's going to be a lot more franchise cricket now, um, a lot of shorter format. You've even seen kind of in the West Indies, there's the 60 rather than the 100. There's a, like the T10 competitions, all of that, that I think will kick off a lot more in women's cricket. So um, the whole premise of those competitions as a fielding team is to take wickets and roll dot balls. So I just thought if you're, if I can vary in between left and right and try and squeeze a few dot balls and wickets here and there just because the batter is confused, um, then that'll be a, a huge advantage um i just offer something different we do a lot before the games looking at each player um each batter that comes up we know whether they're weaker against left arm spin right arm spin leg spin um ball coming into them against seamers so we know exactly what that batter's weakness is so if i know that there's somebody that is really strong against right arm spin but weak against left arm spin i'd more switch to my left arm against them and then maybe go back to right against a different batter um, so that's kind of the premise behind it. All right. Um, do you still have hopes of playing for England? And how close do you think you are to getting called up? Yeah, definitely. I, I had a really good season last year with kind of the England stuff. So they introduced um, North v South last year. So they got the best players from the North, best from the South, from the regional teams. And we played against each other. Um, we had quite a few games and I did really well in those um, or the coaches were happy with me. Um, so I got picked up for the England A. Um, so I played against South Africa, New Zealand and India. Um, and I did well against um, New Zealand in particular. I got 89 off 59, I think it was. So they were happy 
with that so I don't think I'm I don't think I'm like next in if if that's kind of what you're asking but I think I'm there or thereabouts in the A side so I'd hopefully like to play a few more games for the A team next year put in a few more performances um, and then you never know. So you might you might reconsider it if you fought it through. If I what sorry. If if you had the opportunity, like, w- would you probably join it if someone like bribed you, or do you just refuse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how has technology had an impact on the women's game? Yeah, massive. Like I said um, just before about the performance stuff, we've got. Um, the analysts are really, really key to each team now. So we do a lot of kind of pre-match and post-match reviews using kind of technology. We use um, full track uh, AI technology. I don't know if you've seen that, but whilst we're training, it kind of tracks your deliveries and stuff. So it can show you exactly the length that you bowl, exactly the line. Um, and yeah, it's just like I can go onto it and basically say they videoed my whole batting session. I can go on and look and click every single pull shot and I can go back and watch all my pull shots um, and see how good they were that session or how did I play all these length balls, how did I play an away swinger, all of that. So we don't use that kind of every session, but we have that technology available um, and especially for games. We do a lot around kind of percentage of balls hitting the stumps, um, dot ball percentage, where, where exactly were they, on the wicket where they kind of more outside off for that batter where they fuller straighter that kind of thing so I feel, I feel like technology is becoming a massive part of the women's game especially kind of in the in the shorter formats as well okay um you also coach children to play cricket how would you describe yourself as a coach um i'd say similar to my captaincy i'd say firm but fair so i like teaching the basics um i know that there's a lot kind of of power hitting and stuff going on at the minute but i'm a firm believer that if you don't have the technical basics nailed you won't be able to hit the six in the future because you just won't have the timing you won't be able to hit the ball on the middle of the bat cleanly and you don't have a stable base so whilst i try and make coaching fun for kids um i think it's it's also about really trying to teach the basics well and so that they've kind of got those fundamental um, foundations and things that they can then do on in life. Okay. All right. Do uncomfortable situations bring the best or worst out of you? And can you think of a time where you were in an uncomfortable position? Yeah, probably loads. I think we all <laughs> we had we did it a lot last year at, um, at Lightning, uh, especially. Yeah, we had a lot of um, training sessions where they deliberately made us uncomfortable. Um, because yeah like I say it definitely makes you better you you cannot get better if you're just living in your comfort zone and as much as we all want to we want to have easy sessions um yeah I just don't think it gets the best out of you so we'll do we do a lot where kind of you're challenged either from like a fitness point of view from like a, a speed on the bowling machine point of view or like um you know do you know the merlin the merlin machines where the ball spins yeah i'll put it on loads and loads of spin even though we know we're never going to face a ball that's turning loads felt that they kind of did loads of stuff like that um loads of kind of pressure training so i do think it brings the most out of you although it's it's not enjoyable at the time when you look back and think yeah i I did well through that i pushed through that i felt sick whilst i was running but i 
pushed through it or I was sick when I ran but I, I pushed through it and um and I got yeah I got through it and it's for the betterment of the team so yeah not, not nice at the time but worth it in the end what things still need to be done to improve women's cricket in England oh that's a good question um I'd say now that we've got um the regional systems set up well I think the focus now needs to potentially be on the club cricket. Um, so women's club cricket used to be in a really good spot and I think it's petered off the last sort of five, ten years. Um, there's not much now. If you're not a regional player, not a professional cricketer, there's not much below that now to go and fall back on. So even county cricket, we only play four days out of the year. So there isn't, it doesn't necessarily go like, there's a whole county tournament and there's a whole regional tournament and then there's England. It kind of goes a little bit of county first, then regional, then England players. So I think there needs to be potentially a bit more investment in either county or club cricket and have a bit of a clearer kind of pathway up to the top, I'd say. Okay. If you could have dinner with three people, one person from the past, one person alive today and one TV character, who would you choose and why? Oh gosh, that's a difficult one. Um, I would say, well, one one person from the past. Can't think who's who's died now. Um, I'd say from the present, I'd say Ed Sheeran. I think he looks really, really. I think he looks. Yeah, he's really funny, isn't he? I think he could be a good laugh. Um, who was the next person? Did you say? Who's the third person? Uh, TV character, yeah, I was kind of TV character. Oh, I'd say James Corden. I find him really, really funny. Um, I think he'd be a bowl of laughs. Um, and then from the past, that's a difficult one. Um, I'm going to go Shane Warne. I think that would be a pretty cool conversation to have, especially the three of them there. Imagine Shane Warne and James Corden together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't get a word in edgeways, would I? True. Um, before we finish, we would like to play a game with you that we play with all our guests. The game is called Wrong Answers Only. We will ask you a range of questions and you have to give us the wrong answer. Are you ready? Yeah, I've seen this on Radio 1. <laughs> <laughs> no. Favourite ground you have played at? The local park. Okay. Best play you ever played with? My dog. <laughs> highlight of your career uh falling over all the time <laughs> favorite coach you played for uh the local swimming instructor <laughs> the best thing about marie kelly is uh eating way too much food <laughs> <laughs> every week on the podcast we like our guests to ask questions to each other so we get a guest to ask a question but they have no idea who the question is going to be for. This week's questions come from our previous guest, Northampton Saints rugby head coach, Sam Vesti, who asks, if you weren't a professional cricketer, what job would you have? What Would you have any and why? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, oh, well, obviously, you know, I'm a cricket coach anyway, so I'd probably go into coaching, but if we're going fully away from cricket and sport I'd probably say something to do with art I liked doing art at school um I kind of painted a little bit and drew a little bit so potentially kind of yeah 
like making my own paintings or kind of being a graphic designer, that kind of that kind of field, if it was nothing to do with cricket or sport, potentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, could you do the same, please? Can you think of a question for our next guest, please? But we aren't going to tell you who the guest is. The question could be anything you want. Oh, okay. Um, well, because I love food, we'll go from a food point of view. I've asked them if they could only have one meal every day for the rest of their life, what would it be? Interesting question. What would yours be? Roast dinner, hands down. Yeah. Good choice. Love um, roast. Yeah. I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Murray. We really enjoyed speaking with you, and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. That's okay. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for doing such a good job. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.